Welcome back to Love God and Your Neighbor. As always, I'm Laura Hutchinson, pastor of First Christian Church in Anniston, Alabama, and it is a beautiful day, and God is so good. I'm kind of grateful that I'm not farther north right now, as much as I yearn for a really good snow day. The 35 inches that New Jersey got yesterday is a little much, don't you think? If you're in New Jersey, give us a shout out. So I'm keeping my neighbors to the north in my prayers today as I give thanks for the weather that I am blessed with today and um, know that we are praying for you. I have a couple of announcements before we begin worship. The Lenten Sermon Series this year is titled God, Godspell, and Grace. It will be an exploration of the purpose and beauty of grace, first given by God and then by us to each other. My inspirations for this series come from our Lenten Bible study on grace, as well as from the hit Broadway show, Godspell. Each sermon in the series will be accompanied by one of the songs in the show. So I hope that you all plan to be here for the series and for the Bible study, which will be on Zoom. The sermon series begins on Sunday, February 21st, and the Bible study will begin the following Wednesday on the 24th. I also want to remind all of you who are members of First Christian Church family to remember your tithes and offerings. Every dollar given goes to supporting the beautiful ministry of this little church, and we are grateful for every dollar that is given. If you need to know how to donate, the information is listed at the beginning of the About This Episode section of the podcast. Now, it's time for us to turn our eyes to heaven to raise our hands and voices in praise and worship our precious God, our creator and our savior. Gracious Lord, we love you with our whole hearts and we pray you are pleased with our worship today. And so let us sing together our praise hymn, Awesome God. Thunder in his footsteps of light, and in his fist, our God is an awesome God. 
Today's scripture comes from Psalm 111. Hallelujah! I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright in the congregation. Great are the deeds of the Lord. They are studied by all who delight in them. His work is full of majesty and splendor, and his righteousness endures forever. He makes his marvelous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He gives food to those who fear him. He is ever mindful of his covenant. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the hands, the lands of the nations. The works of his hands are faithfulness and justice. All his commandments are sure. They stand fast forever and ever because they are done in truth and equity. He sent redemption to his people. He commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Those who act accordingly have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. For simplicity's sake, I want to let you know that sometimes today I'll be using the male pronoun for God in this sermon, though, as most of you know, I prefer to use genderless words to describe God when possible. That's my disclaimer. Let us pray. Loving and awesome God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Now, it has always been fascinating to me how different Christian traditions approach their relationship with God, how differently Christian traditions approach their relationship with God. I remember being in college and reading Jonathan Edwards' Puritan sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, where he compares sinners to a spider dangling from a fragile thread over the fiery pits of hell. Now, when I read that sermon, I was struck by the feeling of hopelessness that I, that, that, that image invoked in me. It was overwhelming how hopeless it felt to me when I read it. You see, I wasn't raised in the kind of Christianity that attempted to use fear to inspire conversion. Now, the Jesus that I knew used love to inspire conversion instead. And until I went to college and then to seminary, I only knew one way of interpreting the Bible. But ever since I started studying Calvinistic Puritanism of the 18th century, I began to become aware of how often people pushed the fear of God in modern-day Christianity. Say amen if you've been told to fear the Lord, to fear, fear, fear the Lord. 
I understand that people are reading the Bible and seeing the phrase, fear the Lord, and they're taking it literally. I understand where it comes from. I really do. But I do not understand how a person can read the whole Bible, especially the four Gospels, and come away thinking that God wants us to be quaking in our boots in terror before him. So take today's scripture as an example. It's a poem, for one thing. It's a Hebrew acrostic poem. How cool is that? In fact, with each line beginning with the first letter in the Hebrew alphabet. If you spoke Hebrew, that would be especially cool, right? And it's a poem written by somebody who obviously finds incredible pleasure and joy in their love of God. It starts with this fervent praise. Hallelujah! I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. In the assembly of the upright, in the congregation, great are the deeds of the Lord. They are studied by the whole, all who delight in them. His work is full of majesty and splendor, and his righteousness endures forever. He makes his marvelous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. The person who wrote those words is not a person who lives in terror of his creator, is he? This is a person who is bubbling over with excitement and gratitude for everything that God is and does in the world. So when the writer then says after this, he follows that with, he gives food to those who fear him. Talking about the manna that fell from heaven every day for the Israelites, the food that is provided for everybody. He says the fear, he says food, he gives food to those who fear him. And then later in that same psalm, he says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So how does that fit with his otherwise ecstatic praise? Well, maybe the word, the Hebrew word, translated as fear. Maybe the Hebrew word translated as fear in English doesn't literally mean fear as we understand it. One clue is that all translations of the Bible do not use the word fear. Other translations, like the Amplified Bible, the Living Bible, the Common English Bible, the Commentary um, English Version, and several other translations, translate the Hebrew word yirha as reverence, honor, worship, love and trust, respect and obedience. Don't you think that these words honor, respect, obey, love, trust, and worship are much more compatible with than fear when put into the context of the rest of this psalm? So contemplate these words again. God has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the lands of the nations. The works of his hands are faithfulness and justice. All his commandments are sure. They stand fast forever and ever because they are done in truth and equity. He sent redemption to his people. He commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. 
Henry Ralph Carse, a contributor to the website Holy Land in Depth, he says that most translators understand that fear of the Lord means religious awe. You might call it reverence, but that is not really strong enough. He says in English, the word fear is usually associated with fight or flight reactions. But this is not the case for the Hebrew original, which is Yerha. One scholar of the Psalms, Nancy DeClass Walford, correctly points out that the biblical Yerha is a synonym for love, cling to, and serve. So Yerha is really a verbal noun far more essentially provocative, proactive, than fear, panic, or terror. It is an action of the heart, not a survival mode reaction of the emotions. And throughout the Bible, fear of the name Yerat Hashem indicates a transcendent relationship, a mysterium of attraction and awe, inspiring deep longing. I love that, don't you? Inspiring deep longing. Thinking about the phrase, fear the Lord in this way, as a misinterpretation of a word that was meant to inspire deep longing for God makes me think that Christians have wasted so much time being afraid of God rather than being deeply in love with and in awe of God. The writer of this psalm, this love poem, was deeply and intensely in love with his creator, with his worship, and his worship of God was meant to express that. And the psalm is meant to inspire that awe, that respect, that honor, the excitement, and love in others. And so when we read Psalm 111, it is an act of worship in and of itself, right? It's an opportunity to celebrate the incredible power of God's love and the faithful presence of our creator in our lives. This poem, this psalm, is an example of what true worship is all about. It's about joy. Worship is about expressing deep, passionate love and respect for a God who is always with us, always providing for us, always taking care of us, and always loving us. The first time I experienced this kind of worship was the first time that I went to Honduras in 1996. I was a student at Barton College, and it was a January term class studying religion and healthcare in developing countries. And during that trip, we visited a poor community in Tegucigalpa called America, if you can believe it. The dirt streets were rutted so deeply in places that you had to climb down into the ruts and have someone pull you out on the other side in order to get across. At one point, we had to park our van and walk the rest of the way into the village. This was the neighborhood where our driver, Ephraim, lived with his wife and his daughter. And Ephraim was also the pastor of a church in that community, and he invited us to worship with them. The church was a shack 
cobbled together with not much more than hope and prayer. And we sat on simple backless benches arranged in rows. But as humble and desolate as the space seemed to us spoiled North Americans, the congregation filled that place with worship so joyful, so sincere, and so loving that I wept through most of this, most of that service. Gracias a Dios. Gracias a Dios. They said over and over again, gracias a Dios. Thank you, God. They shouted it over and over for over an hour in prayer and singing and preaching and so on. Thank you, God. Gracias a Dios. Many of the children in that sanctuary were naked, or at least they didn't have any shirts to wear. Most of the people were barefoot. Some of them were living in homes with no roof. They invited us into their homes after worship. And they were so in love with God, so grateful to God for being with them and loving them and taking care of them that they shouted their praise from the rooftops. It was a truly powerful experience for those of us living in the top 2% of the world's wealth bracket at that time. The argument could be made accurately that God had literally given us everything in comparison to the people that we worshiped with that day. And yet we had never felt that much love for God, much less expressed it in such a sincere and powerful way. It was humbling, I have to say. The person who wrote Psalm 111 knew that kind of passion for God, didn't he? He knew what it felt to say thank you, God, over and over and over until he was brought to tears. So hear it again from the Passion Translation. Shout hallelujah to Yahweh. May every one of his lovers hear my passionate praise to him, even among the council of the holy ones. For God's mighty miracles astound me. His wonders are so delightfully mysterious that they leave all who seek them astonished. Everything he does is full of splendor and beauty. Each miracle demonstrates his eternal perfection. His unforgettable works of surpassing wonder reveal his grace and tender mercy. He satisfies all who love and trust him, and he keeps every promise he makes. He reveals mighty power and marvels to his people by handing them nations as a gift. All God accomplishes is flawless, faithful, and fair, and his every word proves trustworthy and true. They are steadfast forever and ever, formed from truth and righteousness. His forever love paid a full ransom for his people so that now we're free to come before Jehovah to worship his holy and awesome name. Where can wisdom be found? It is born in the fear of God. Everyone who follows his ways will never lack his living understanding and the adoration of God will abide throughout eternity. Amen? Y'all, these words describe the God that I was raised to know. 
These words describe a God who would give everything for his children. These words, this poem, this praise is for the kind of God that we know in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and especially John. The God who inspired such enthusiasm, such excitement, such praise is the same God who came to us in Christ Jesus, who lived with us, who walked with us, who taught us, who died for us, and who conquered death for us. The words of Psalm 111 are the words that we should be speaking every day of our lives. And the enthusiasm of the one who wrote these words is something that we should seek to emulate when we gather for worship, when we gather around the table with our families, when we are saying our prayers in the morning and in the evening, as we pray without ceasing all day long. God is truly amazing and is here with us every moment of every day. Amen? God is responsible for every bite of food you eat, for every drop of water you drink, for the people you have loved throughout your life, and for the care with which God protects you. If we are truly wise, we will acknowledge God with such praise all the time, because reverence Awe, respect, trust, and honor of God is the sign of true wisdom. To give God the credit for everything that is good in your life is wisdom. To bow down before God, trembling with feelings of love and respect, is the behavior of a wise person. Because it is the behavior of a person who truly knows where all things come from. A person who shouts words of praise is a person who knows that they did not do anything to create the food, the water, the materials for shelter, or anything else that we might have that keeps us safe. A person who bows down before God is humble and full of the knowledge of who God really is and how the world really works. So let us be wise as well. Let us give God the love and the respect that God deserves as the creator and sustainer of all that we know and see. And let us praise God in our worship each and every moment of each and every day of our lives. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. 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 The Lord, He is holy and just, by His power we trust in His love. Great is the Lord, He is faithful and true, by His mercy He proves He is love. Great is the Lord, and worthy of glory. Great is the Lord, and worthy of praise. Great is the Lord, now lift up your voice, now lift up your voice. Holy 
and just, by his power we trust his love. Great is our Lord, he is faithful and true, by his mercy he proves his love. Great are you, Lord, and worthy of glory. Great are you, Lord, and worthy of praise. Great are you, Lord, I lift up my voice, I lift up my voice. You know, sometimes it's easy to forget the monumental gift of this Holy Communion, isn't it? Especially when we're sitting on our couches or in our cars out there in the parking lot for our drive-in service. But the fact is, the whole ritual is one of the greatest gifts God has given us because it represents the greatest thing God has ever done for His creation. God created us in the beginning as an outpouring of his love. And even though we turned against God, God's love never wavered. God came to us in the form of a child. God walked with us in life. God taught us new ways of understanding the word. And God sacrificed himself so that we could be washed clean of our sins once and for all. God deserves our exuberant praise. Don't you think? Jesus deserves our joy, our praise, our excitement, and our gratitude. So as we take this bread and drink of this cup, let our love and appreciation go out to God in everything that we say and do. On the night when the Lord was betrayed, he took the bread, blessed it, and said, This is my body broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper... He took the cup, blessed it, and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Please pray with me. O God, you are an awesome God. You reign in heaven and on earth. And your wisdom, your power, and your love are immeasurable. From the bottom of our hearts, we thank you, and we love you with all that we are. Amen. Come and eat. The body of Christ, the bread of heaven. The blood of Christ, the cup of salvation. Now let us sing together our communion hymn, This I Believe.
Join me in the Litany of Remembrance, which you can find printed in the About This Episode segment of the podcast. By partaking in this meal, we remember that Christ was born. Christ Christ died. Christ was raised. Christ Christ will will come come again. again. This is the mystery of our faith. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. As you go from this place, remember that God is not to be feared in the sense of terror or dread. No, God craves our awe and respect, our praise and our honor, and our love and worship. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and let everything you do be an act of worship and praise. As we go, let's sing again the chorus to Awesome God.